0: Indie Left, what is happening here? To check out IndependentLeft.News. news, the Indie News
1: Network, Indie Left News. Oh, hey, Indie Left. independent news, great work. Indie Left News, the Independent Left. dot news, Independent Left News. Shout uh, out to Independent Left News. Shout
0: out. Oh, what's up, Independent Left? Indy left. show.
1: Thank you, Independent Left. news. The INN, Indie, you're wonderful. I think I think Indie was onto something. Independent News Network, Indie
0: News. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's up, Indie over on Rockfin? Independent
1: News Network, also known as INN. Indie Left News. I don't know if I would have made it through that three weeks without Indie, honestly. No, I was just going to ask Indy. A huge thank you and shout out to Indie Left. No, yeah. you know what we're doing? We're world building Indie. Um, Indie, Indie Left News. So you were doing uh, the INN
0: recruiting.
1: Indie News. Independent Left News. Shout out to Independent Left News. Check out Independent Left News. At
0: Kennedy News. I see Indies in the chat. Hi, Indy. Okay, great. Bye. No, don't go okay, anywhere. Hi. 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 Hi, everybody. It's uh it's Sunday. Wow. It's it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. Um this is yeah. Indy Hi. That's that's Reef over there. Um this is How Do We Miss That? Uh it is Sunday, Mother's Day 2023. Uh hope everybody had a good Mother's Day. We have got a bunch of interesting, nightmarish, insane, crazy, uh, stories. We're going to dig into what seems to be a pretty on the up and up organization that turns out maybe not so much. Uh, we're going to find out that Clarence Thomas is certainly getting away with corruption at the minimum. (laughs) I don't know what the hell you call what the hell he's doing, uh, Yes, I-N-N and not I-L-N. Actually, it's both. So, I-L-N is part of I-N-N, and I hate to, you know, I know it's a little confusing, but, so, I am Indie Left, and I started Indie News Network an hour, a year and a half after having Indie Left already, and Indie Left is now one of 18 channels, or 19 channels that's part of Indie News Network. Um including Rob Durden and this guy and Yeti and Angel Rivera and the big man crab and Colin Raddix Carter and our Reed and so many more. Um, so that's the difference between Indie left and INN, but welcome everybody. Hi, Hi everybody. Um, why is this thing okay. saying that there's only really three people here? I know there's more than three people here. Of course there are. Because I see Desert Mantis, and I see Jillie Love, and I see Arif and Mad Mom, and I see me. That's definitely more than three. Thank you, YouTube, for messing around with us. All right. So welcome, everybody, to How Do We Miss That? How Do We Miss That? As I said, is a show featuring articles written by independent journalists who expose corruption, cover workers organizing, and environmental crises while challenging corporate establishment narratives and talking points. New new episodes stream live, Sunday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, that's now. On our YouTube and Rumble, Twitch, Rockvin, Substack, Facebook, Telegram channels. Podcasts usually published within a couple days on Amazon, Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. So You can download those. Give us a five-star rating anywhere you can. Um, I'm Indy. I'm co-host. I'm founder, editor of Indy Media Today Substack and the Indy Media Awards. Exclusively on, no, that's Indy's Tech Tips is is on Rumble. But Indy Media Awards is everywhere. Go to IndyMediaAwards.com. And you can learn about all these amazing content creators and independent journalists. I got this guy sitting next to me. He's Reef Breland. He is INN's technical director, and he That's is the creator. Right. Hey, what's up, man? Um, <clears throat> creator and co-host of INN News, which ju- which is about to have its 60th episode on Wednesday. Whoa. Yep. 60 episodes. Crazy, up, dude? Right? That is pretty crazy. So... Both of Thanks. us are co- co-founders of INN, Indie News Network, which is a collaborative family of, in, of independent content creators, of which Indie Left News is, or Indie Left Media, is one of the channels. Find all of our channels at indienews.network. And you can also go to linktr.ee slash INN members, and that'll have the whole list of member members on the network. We also have Lucy, Blue Moon, Red Wine. We've got Luis Louis, We've got, every, we've got so many people Um, Can't even count them all So please make sure, share this link, like the mm-hmm. stream Subscribe to our channel And we're on all the platforms you watch and listen Like I said, we're everywhere, we're live on Telegram right now We're live on Twitch on two channels We're live on Rockfin Rockfin.com slash IND Left News Check that out It's ad free Yep. Uh, There is a premium that, that you can get But you don't have to subscribe to it All of our content is available for free on Rockfin On Rumble, everywhere so, uh, all right, we have got. Let's get to the slideshow. Oh, first I need to share something with you so you can see what we're doing. Right, Reef? That would help. Yeah, that would help. That usually does help. What? What? Why? Why am I not able to? Here, Discord. Whoa. Uh oh. Great success. Is. Great success. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Share my screen. We're doing it live, folks. We're doing it live. All right, so Reese's going to be able to see that, and he'll be able to see when I when I look at Twitter afterwards.
1: Wow, wow, wow these are very nice.
0: Okay, so let's go over to our main. Hey, there we go. All right. You're very welcome, chilly love. I know it is confusing. It confuses the hell out of everybody. It doesn't confuse me, but it confuses everybody else, even people in INN. They're like, wait, what? what's what? Because my name, you know, everybody calls me Indy, and it's Indy <laughs> News Network, and it's Indy Left News. Well, I, I did start both, but I'm not the only guy for INN, obviously. Um, Reef and I started INN together. I was covering, and I found all these different streamers and, and and writers, and I contacted each one of them, and was like, hey, let's put together an independent network of people, and it's a year and a half later, and it's it's still incredible. But So tonight we have got... Clarence Thomas, um, of course, getting away with it, and, uh, and and then the censorship industrial complex. We're going to go through. Holy crap. They put out a crazy racket news, put out a crazy sub stack about that this week, and I want to cover that and show you guys just the beginnings.
1: I mean, that. Hmm. That just looks like Japanese stuff I've seen With the censorship on the octopus Oh,
0: yeah. hentai Shush, shush, shush. <laughs> hey, no, no. Come on man, we, we don't want to get the stream Pulled already, so then we have also Yeah, hey now uh, I, Yes, thank you And Accountable.us So Accountable.us, and we're going to get into that We're going to talk about Clarence Thomas We're also going to talk about East Palestine a little bit uh, I've got a story on East Palestine But first, I want to talk about Something that happened on Substack this week. And I'm a Substack geek and I'll I'll be the first oh, one Substack. to admit. Substack. Yeah, Substack. What's up with Substack? And they did a Kumbaya article this week. So I love these guys. I love is this that the, Is
1: this like when the Beatles put help up? You know? Kinda.
0: But but this is really like a Kumbaya like, kind of that- moment. All right. So this is this oh, is okay. them envisioning a better media system. And what they're saying is, is that you can't rely on social media to get your message out, that you have to build a subscriber base. They not have to, but it is a much hmm. more sustainable model. And they're going to explain why. And that's yeah. why I wanted to bring this article to everybody. This one this one I read a couple of times this week, and it was written by the co-founders you, of Substack.
1: Are you going to call Hamish a cool dude again? So this um, is like the second best video I, he's ever seen?
0: I, I don't want to be a suck-up, but... But he has been,
1: you know, the fact
0: that these co-founders have been so accessible on Substack Notes, that they are listening to their users and to their publishers, and they're trying to make it better and make improvements <clears> on the fly. I got to I got to commend that. Like, that's really, it's really cool. And it's really cool to be able to have access to somebody like that. And not just me, but everybody that's there and chooses to engage. It's not just me. So this is Chris, Hamish, and Giraj um chris is also on on notes pretty often i have not seen giraj on there so the this best, is from chris. their from their it is the best chris now, now he's gonna love that one so, <laughs> so this is from their on.substack.com right? this is their substack blog and this is kind of like their you know how they've been charting the future so what they say is that and we've been talking about this that in the last few weeks following the launch of notes Twitter's chosen to restrict writers' ability to share their work by hiding Substack previews and limiting the distribution of Substack links. It's also cut Substack off from its API, which means that writers can no longer embed tweets in their posts. And we are deeply disappointed by Twitter's actions and have been trying to resolve the issue unsuccessfully so far. Yeah, that's about $40,000 a month, guys. I know what the, the resolution is. All right. We badly wish writers weren't in this position. And I agree. Writers should be able to share their work freely on Twitter and any other social network, wherever the rear, their readers may be. Yeah. Uh, this is a challenging moment for writers who've used Twitter to help build their audience and who now find they need to revise their strategies. And that's really nice. Um, and I feel you guys, Um it's nice It's nice. Um, at the <laughs> same time, we recognize that fair or not, this was probably inevitable. Twitter's actions are part of a well-established history of social media platforms limiting writers' and creators' ability to share their work. Ad-based social platforms want writers' and creators' audiences glued to their feed, and they design their products to keep them from leaving. In 2012, Twitter stopped embedding Instagram posts after Facebook acquired the photo-sharing app. Today, Facebook deprioritizes links that take people away from its feed. I don't know if you knew that. I certainly did not know that is about every link I share to, Twitter, to Facebook is one that takes people off the site, which is why it gets no activity. Google yep. prioritizes YouTube search results over TikTok and Vimeo. A little ridiculous thumbs on the scale. While Twitter has now come for writers on Substack, it's extremely likely that it won't be the last publishing platform to receive this treatment. That's fair. So what they said was Substack was created in direct response to this kind of behavior by social media companies. Writers can't build sustainable businesses if their connection to their audience depends on unreliable platforms that frequently change what you see or what partners they prioritize. Well, yeah. Okay. That world is built on shaky foundations that are crumbling all around us. You need only to look at the fates of Buzzfeed, Mike and Upworthy to see what happens when a social media, when a media business overlies on social platforms. That history demonstrates why it's so important to establish that any publisher who uses Substack retains ownership of all their content and their relationship to their audience. Of course, for writers to realize the impact they seek for their work, they need ways for readers to find them. And one compelling path is for actual humans loving their work to share it with other actual humans by email and word of mouth, yeah, or-
1: humans.
0: Yeah, humans. Yes, or in conversation over drinks about a new writer they found <laughs> who's changing their entire worldview. That peer-to-peer support is the foundation Substack is built on, and it's why we've invested so much in SEO, to make sure that people who love your work can most find it. But we also know there are many ways these behaviors can be amplified. And I didn't realize they'd, they'd invested so much in SEO. <clears throat> um, they recently, added the ability to add tags to your posts, which, which yeah. is also big for SEO within the last year, they've given you the ability to change the, what they call the slug, which is like the, the unique extension of the URL for your sub so that you can define what the post is going to be about for the search engines. You can change titles and descriptions and organize that very much like um, <clears throat> if you've ever used WordPress, one of those SEO plugins for WordPress, it's, it has that similar look and feel. Yep. So they said that for the past year, they, we have been building tools for writers to grow their audience and business without needing to rely on social platforms. And I've been totally about this. All right. In the Substack Network, the major growth drivers are not opaque algorithms that reward viral content, but the writers and creators themselves. Our top growth features include recommendations through rich writers can promote other writers and shout out to historically and Eva Bartlett and Vanessa Bailey. Um, I get a ton of, I think it's Vanessa Bailey and and historically I get the most referrals of people signing up for my channel and for my sub stack through them. Um, then you also have notes through which anyone can post their work and where readers can find new writers to fall, uh, fall in love with. Um, And it has a very Twitter-esque feel, but a completely different algorithm placement and different grouping of people that are on there. It's a lot smaller at this point. He said, well, we're still in the early days with these features. The Substack Network already drives 20% of paid subscriptions across the, the platform, which is really what they're trying to drive. A year ago, that figure was only 8%. So these guys have been thinking about, like, how do we keep people... You know, in, in, in an entire organic world that allows them to share, be found, and do that outside of a social media environment. Yeah. Meanwhile, that's another thing of my favorite. Twitter's share of Substack traffic, right? Already relatively small, has been mm-hmm. waning. And this is something that we yell about every day. Do I post? He's yelling at me, why are you even bothering to putting your Substack links on Twitter? They're only, like, de- de-boosting it, they're de-platforming, they're hiding yeah. your, your shit, alright? And here's what they're saying. Twitter shares Substack traffic, already relatively small, has been waning ever since, even before its recent actions. At the start of the year, Twitter on average drove less than 3% of all views across Substack. Today, it accounts for less than 2%. How dare you! Yeah. Now for me, I think it's about five percent or maybe six percent. It's still about fifth on my list, but Twitter is still really important because it's where I do the most one-on-one communication with people in our community. It's where I have those DM threads mm. where I communicate directly and I have f- direct feedback with people many people that are in this this audience right now uh,
1: but to many be clear, good people
0: very excellent excellent the best people
1: all right. But to be clear, so many.
0: Right? The best. But he's not on there. They wouldn't stop him if he wanted to sign up for one, but he's got his own thing, I guess. That would have been a good distribution platform. Somebody should have sold him on that. Really, really excellent platform. (laughs) To be clear, (laughs) we encourage writers to publish on any platform they, they choose so they can raise their profile and engage with ideas or even just because they enjoy it. But writers cannot rely on these platforms, including theirs. To become independent, they need a direct yep. connection with their audience that the Substack model provides. And fortunately, the growth provi- benefits of the Substack ecosystem already far outweigh the benefits from sharing links on social media.
1: Um, another person that I. Other I've, than OnlyFans.
0: Well, yeah, well. Bert Kreischer, OnlyFans. That was that was great. What was that?
1: Just saying. Was
0: that the roast?
1: They did a Whitney one recently too. I think.
0: Oh my god!
1: So roast a roast a Whitney. uh, They're so good.
0: But but yeah, um, Yeah. I was uh, I've had this back and forth with Kevin Gastola also as well uh, because he was on Substack early on, and he moved over to Ghost because well he's an Indie Media Award honoree by the way. Um thank you. Actually, he has a double for Shadowproof and for him, so that's that's fitting. Um he moved over to Ghost because it is a is a paid subscriber only, and there was no real free model, I don't believe. I think that in order to get on something, you had at the time that you had to pay some kind of thing. Or as a creator, I don't think that there was a free model. You had to pay some kind of monthly fee in order to be able to publish there. I don't know if that's changed.
1: Gotcha. But
0: well, mm. we have no say at Substack. It's like
1: medium, kinda?
0: kind of, kind well, of. No, Medium. I don't think you have to pay to publish on Medium. You have to pay to, um, to be a member of Medium. But no, not to publish there. No, if you want to mm. create a ghost presence, like 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 I created a Substack page, and anybody can for free. And you can do that with a referral yeah. code. Just ask me for it. Um. <clears throat> You can do that for free. You can't do that on Ghost. You have to to pay like nine bucks a month or something like that just to be able to publish there. Anyway, um, while we have no say over how social media companies treat writers and creators from this point on, we can commit to continuing to build a strong, reliable platform that not only provides great publishing and growth tools, but also puts writers' needs first. Our business depends on it, as we've seen our mission of building a new economic engine for culture is a long-term project. It can be achieved only in partnership with writers and creators and with real steady gains that can't be undone by a third party. And in the Substack ecosystem, writers can focus on what they do best, which is producing great writing that earns readers' respect and support. And for our part, we'll focus on creating a platform that makes everything else from starting to managing to growing an independent independent media business. Hmm simple and powerful amazing why why I champion these guys and why you know it just align with what what we're trying to do here i really think so so and thank you to all of us for our trust and patience and continued support of independent writers and a better media system for us all so how could i not love this thing like and people would say that they're shitlips if anything but except that there's more anti covid big pharma narrative stuff on Twitter and stuff that debunking everything with regard to Great Reset and all of corporate narratives is all over Substack. And that's why it's it's driving corporate media crazy because they can't control that narrative, nor can the people who create Substack. Now I'd love to see how they're setting the algorithm for how notes are being set. It looks like it's just a real time thing based upon what you're subscribed to but what there's a feed that's just supposed to be kind of a a fire hose real time of everything and it doesn't look like it's quite that. So how are they deciding what gets prioritized? They also now have multiple check systems which I'm not really crazy about but holy shit they just came out with a new one called a purple check. Hmm?
1: As long as they don't have a WEF executive on the you know, about to run the thing.
0: Oh God, no! Be all right. Yeah, exactly. But what's what's beauty? What's beautiful about about them though, is that you can take your content, beautiful. You, you can export all of this content and take it to another platform, as well as your subscriber Just base go full and all of the. And oh, you got to go full throttle, Julia. Come on, Julia. Full throttle. It's beautiful. We go full throttle, Julia. So.
1: <laughs> I built this platform for you, Julia. <laughs> they
0: basically did build this platform for us, uh, and I greatly appreciate I know, right? them and
1: love them. And needs more ceiling fans, though.
0: Love it. <clears throat> uh, uh-huh. I I guess that. Oh, okay. I see that the bot is broke. Oh, lovely. Oh, uh-huh. all right. So let me see if I can fix the chat bot. Let's see. I thought I refreshed this damn thing. Oh, I know why it's not working. Might have. No, I know why. Um I have to go into this settings right. here and go to the embedded stream, and that's going to show up on your Facha Match for one second. All right. And the reason why is because I need to copy this and put that <laughs> into the restream chat over here. Sorry everybody. We're doing it live and we're doing it on the fly. And he's got to do some live on the fly. <laughs> here. Wait, I'm I just stole that. I'm sorry Randy Critical. I love you, but I did not steal I did not intend to steal that from you. And that should bring our chat in yeah. now for the the chat is ready to display. Yay! Okay, so let's see. Is Jilly going to show up? Is that going to show? It does, probably. Hopefully, let's see. I don't know. Let's see. Testing, that was my Discord. Testing. If anyone heard that, nope.
1: If not, don't worry about it.
0: Yay! Okay, it shows up. All righty. Uh, hi everybody. Fantastic. Hi everybody. Yeah, there must be like nine people live because if we only have nine people here watching, that's okay. Sure, I'm a, Cool, we got clips We got clips, we got clips Yeah Pax, welcome, what's up man How you doing Sean Hades Sean Hades, good peeps man Shout out to Sean Sean doesn't get the love And respect that he that he deserves Because he works really hard on that website that he put together Everyone loves him He's sharing links all the time, good peeps Alright mm-hmm. Next, <clears throat> let's get into some Yeesh Bugliness, East Palestine. Hey, we got rid of that green line. Oh, that looks so much better. Oh, that was bugging the shit out of me.
1: You mean they're still poisoned? Oh, man, it's so bad.
0: So this is an Aaron Brockovich article from the Brockovich Report. Go subscribe to the Brockovich Report on Substack. Go to thebrockovichreport.com. Follow her at Aaron Brockovich everywhere our wonderful friends over in Norfolk Southern that are that have poisoned the town and are abandoning them as a result. So Aaron says that while media attention has faded for the small village in northeastern Columbiana County, Ohio, just three months since a toxic train derailment, residents are still dealing with the aftermath and we need to keep talking about it. So she went on the corporate news nation. She's been on The View recently. Erin's been making the corporate media rounds, but at least hey look, somebody's got to keep the the word alive, and I appreciate that she's doing that um <clears throat> she was on News nation last week late last week to discuss the serious lack of transparency and this is what's going on and shout out to all of the reporters that have continued to keep this alive on the ground as well as United for East Palestine who will be Reappear who be having a, a return appearance on the Misty Winston show. I know a week from Monday. Um, so yep. <clears throat> she told anchor Elizabeth Vargas, I think it's shameful how our agencies have handled the train derailment and almost left this community, their children, their future and their health left to dry. Not almost they have. It breaks my heart to learn that one of the trains that derailed carried a Dow product, which the company has now confirmed what does this mean? Even before this toxic spill, Dow Chemical and its subsidiary Union Carbide were already the single biggest single biggest contributor to hotspots of toxic air pollution in the entire country, according to a 2021 report from Friends ProPublica. We'll hear from them later on tonight too. That same research revealed that more than 70 million Americans—that's one-fifth of our population, are being exposed to levels of toxic air pollution that result in a cancer risk. And it's a mess for EP residents and everyone else who are exposed to those pollutants. It's a close. The chemical called acrylate is used as a raw material in the production of adhesives, coatings, construction materials, printing inks, and plastics. And it was one of five toxic chemicals that were released into the area, along with vinyl chloride, butyl acrylate, isobutylene, and ethylene glycol. Those chemicals were set ablaze in a chemical fire, and they spilled into a ditch that feeds Sulphur Run, which is a stream that joins Leslie Run, which eventually empties into the Ohio River. And folks are still showing video of those waterways, and they don't look clean to me. Plus, here's a photo of a resident filling up her bathtub who's been told her water is safe for consumption. It's gross. It's like literally black. <laughs> Ethyl acrylate yeah. and ethylene glycol. You know, it's really funny. I know how to pronounce all this stuff by reading the shampoo bottle. On You know, now they have phones and stuff, but like when we were kids, <laughs> when you were sitting there and you didn't yeah. have anything else to read, you basically read the back of the shampoo and the back of the conditioner. So... I learned how to read all that yep. stuff because that was terrible in chemistry, but I could read all that. But um, ethylene glycol learn can, Greek. Yeah, can cause irritation of the skin and eyes, as well as sore throat and nausea with exposure to high concentrations, according to the National Library of Medicine. And all of these symptoms oh, shoot, are— This
1: is Taco Bell.
0: Right? All these symptoms are ones that East Palestine residents have reported and, of course, are still reporting. Yeah. Yes. Desert mantis. Meth- methyl chloroisothiazolinone. Don't ask me how I know that, but it was in like Pert Plus or PREL or one of those because it was in a, in my shower for who's <laughs> in my
1: shower? Head for Like
0: forty years. Yeah. No. For like you know growing up when I was a teenager. <laughs> anyway, somehow this area was deemed safe while well, cleanup continues, and we know why. Uh, we've reported on that before, and they can't keep the trains running. If they deem the area is unsafe, and if there aren't residents living there, so they can't run a train through East Palestine, and it's cri- it's a critical junction. Norfolk Southern is working with regulatory agents. It is it is a it is a non-functioning junction. Um, <laughs> Norfolk Southern is working with regulatory agencies on their investigations into the derailment and continues its efforts to remove chemicals from the site of the derailment. Yeah, sure they do. They do. We continue to work daily cleaning the site and surrounding community. Sure they do. That's what their senior communications manager or their PR agent told the daily news on April 27th. And we recently hit a milestone of completing evacuation evacuation Exvacuation efforts for track one And expect the work under track two To be completed in June Most importantly We will be there for as long as it takes Uh Aha But the testing as Aaron says Doesn't lie I mean You've covered quite a bit of this on a news Brief With Colin Um Yeah they'll be
1: there as as, as long as it takes Until they need to go get coffee or you know, go live their lives, not poisoned. Yeah. I, yeah. you know,
0: I'd love to see the government make them have to buy it and all the executives live there.
1: Um, yeah.
0: We've learned that dozens of residents have urine samples testing positive for vinyl chloride and benzene. Jesus
1: Christ. Yep. Yeah.
0: You can watch residents Shelby Walker. You to
1: clean your records.
0: God, you can watch resident Shelby Walker who lives only 900 feet from the disaster, discuss her concerns surrounding her health here. And that is a video that I believe, uh, maybe even status quo. Somebody took, I mean, Oh, there's a bunch of links to this article. I'll drop the link to this in chat, but go to the Brock, the Brockovich report. I believe it's still the most recent article. Um, Long term exposure to high levels of benzene in the air can cause leukemia. But at this point, doctors don't have protocols for how to get these chemicals out of our system. Thanks. Vinyl chloride contaminates many communities in the U.S. due to pollution from plastics manufacturing plants, according to a new report. So great, this shit is everywhere. It's used to make plastic, polyvinyl chloride, PVC. And is classified by the U.S. EPA as a carcinogen. Yay! And has been linked to higher rates of lung Yay. and liver cancer, as well as liver disease, neurological problems, and miscarriage. A whole host of of just wonderful things that That's they've decided to I serve thought. us.
1: A whole new world. That's what I thought you were going. No, I wasn't going to go. It.
0: No, I couldn't. It is. It is nightmarishly dystopian. <laughs> So many people that yep. live in the area are still reeling from this toxic disaster. They're friends, not our friends, but I will shout out to Lewis for being on the ground at status. Quo. Spoke with local Chrissy Ferguson about the situation on the ground. You can. Aaron, Aaron has, um, her urine has also yeah. tested positive for vinyl chloride. And if you go to the article, there is a 20 minute video with Lewis directly interviewing her at her house and, it's, it's it's horrible it's heartbreaking it's nightmarish and I I can't um and then this this made me wanna kind of made me want to cry a little bit like when I read this my yep. best advice my best advice to locals in East Palestine is continue to stay community strong what does that mean if you haven't already consider joining the Facebook group United for East Palestine Ohio which I'm a member of this group has more than 8,000 members Mm -hmm. and was created to bring together resources available to those impacted by the train derailment. As many families were forced to leave their homes. The other thing I want to continue to remind folks living there is to keep a detailed journal that best describes your physical and emotional condition, including any symptoms as expected after a traumatic event, Uh stress levels remain high in East Palestine. That's an understatement. Marcy Patton yep. leads the Columbiana Con- County Mental Health and Recovery Services Board, which has been providing crisis and counseling mental health support since the derailment. He told the local station that they're seeing symptoms of PTSD. <clears throat> People may have trouble sleeping. People may have problems with <clears throat> problems with appetite,
1: panic attacks. <clears> throat>
0: My throat always does this when I go live. It's so funny. I mean,
1: It so, sounds just like Seasonal, yeah. Uh, what's it? What's Allergies. That? SADS. Yeah.
0: Right. No. No. It's not yes. sads. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh God, no. Uh, her organization started <laughs> a, a stress management class and uh, a community support group to fill a gap in resources. And these meetings are open to the public and offered free of charge. Really nice. Um. And then, of course, litigations moving forward, but the legal world moves incredibly slow. We haven't gone away. The work continues, but. This part is done in offices and doesn't get much coverage. For those wondering about deadlines related to litigation, yes, there is a deadline for when you can file a lawsuit for damages you suffer as a result of the action of others. This is called a statute of limitations. And in Ohio, the statute of limitations on property damage and personal injury claims is two years from the date of the accident. So if you want to sue Norfolk i we're going to wait it out damages caused, you would need to do so by February 2nd, 2025. Well, you could then, you could first file a lawsuit on February 1st, 2025, and then they can drag that out forever, yes, but you may want to, I, I don't know why you would want to wait, but, I mean, they probably want to gather as many signatures, resources, and everything, and take as much time as possible to file the most airtight, largest, broadest class action that you possibly could, I would guess, but she would know better than I because she's done it a couple of times already. She's done it against PG and E in California, so I would have to rely on her, so her expertise in this. But of course, ask a lot of questions, learn, push, and try to be one of those experts moving forward potentially, because we need more. And I think she would agree that with that too. Um, this week on Thursday, the Way Station and First United Presbyterian Cho- Church will host or hosted an informational session with Ohio EPA about surface water. So she's giving information about where you can go and the sessions run six to seven, where and what to dial in. Guys, they're still asking for water. They still need clean water. Like lots of it. You know, I don't know what the government's doing. I saw a truck full, but I'm sure that goes really quickly. But Savvy Sav's Indie Media Award honoree, also both for RBN and for her own channel, um, she uh, she shared this about that they need water, and I know Rob Durden shared it. I know RBN shared. It. I know a bunch of folks, you know, people shared it. So I wanted to get that out there that if you can contact Tammy Sy, Tsai, T S A I three sixty five. The call went out on May eighth. It's now May fourteenth. They still need money. No, money. They need money, but they also need water. <clears throat> um, East Palestine Tammy at gmail.com. You can email them if you need if you have any resources to be able to help. Um and we got merch. Hey everybody, we got merch. But support these people in East Palestine. And I see that case of water sitting behind you right now, Reef, and it's just like
1: Yes. That one. That it's one right.
0: sitting on the floor, and it's
1: like Damn man, needs to go in the fridge. Water is life. Water is life. Yep. Oh boy. He who controls the spice, Katie controls um, the universe.
0: Oh, Kamishwari, Katie. I hope I hope Kamishwari, Katie's there. I don't think Katie Albert will be here, but
1: maybe. (laughs) No. Um, Only if we serve martinis. Wow. okay yeah i'm not even
0: don't you even go there uh all right be back later all right crab what's up it's like an aladdin nightmare yes oh man all right so we're fucked well yes sure Mm -hmm. um don't mm -hmm. be rude
1: don't be Uh, rude
0: Don't be rude. Wait, why am I doing virtual webcam? No, I wanted to do audio. i make sure that, okay, everything's on. Good. All right. Censorship industrial complex. That's what's going on here. Censorship industrial complex. So we've been talking about this. This is one of the things that came out of the Twitter files that Matt Taibbi and the team over at racket news have been trying to assemble the largest picture of, and I'm calling it like an encyclopedia of narrative, narrative management Um, because this is all of the different sectors and all the different organizations and all the different interests that come together to create, what is being referred to now as the censorship industrial complex, and shout out to Mad Crab for the graphic there. Corey spent a bunch of time on that one. Yep. Now this was the so, original graphic. Look at this graph. Look at this graph. And we're gonna go into this a little <laughs> bit more. Um, Every time I do it, makes me laugh. All right. So now what I gotta do? Uh, let's go back to our two shot. Turn the slideshow off. And,
1: oh my uh, god, dude! You got to stop using that two shot escape when I'm on bunk. <laughs> that is way too close. I just that's looked what up I
0: said. That's it. an up close and personal shot right there. <laughs> like, woo! Hello. Yeah. All right, so let me zoom in <laughs> it's a like little just bit. Just eyeballs. I, yes, it it kind of is. Um. All right, so let's go back to our indie main here.
1: Yeex wants a link to the graph. It's probably in the description
0: uh, you know what let me go back to this one is that is this one better? Yes that's what it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> why is it doing that That shouldn't be all right anyway so this this graph um, put together by the people at racket news and mr shout out to mr MooreMedia.com because this is awesome. So The first thing that drew my eye, of course, were the ones at the top, which were the big tech companies, Google, Facebook. We know all these logos. Pinterest. Huh? Pinterest, huh? Yep.
1: Yeah, Pinterest. Your kids probably know those logos.
0: All right. Uh, I don't know how well you can see all that. I don't know. I I can't really zoom in much better, but. hmm. You can right-click,
1: right-click, right-click, open image in new tab. First thing, very first thing. Ah. Uh, there go now. Yep.
0: It's a biggie. Whoa. Hey, now. Okay. Yeah. There
1: you go. Thank you. That works.
0: All right. So you got your You're big welcome. tech companies, including TikTok, and we talked about how TikTok is not just a Chinese company. All right. And then you've got your government agencies over here, DHS, NATO, CISA, the 77th Brigade, the DOD, of course, this new Foreign Malign Influence Center. We're going to talk about that a little. State Department, DARPA, NSF. All right, and this is like, it's huge, huge. All right, now, another one that jumped off the screen at me here were the Ford and Rockefeller and Open Society Foundations, Koch Brothers. So this is not... This is a bipartisan look at Omidyar Group. Look at that. And the Knight Foundation. Who are mm. they? Hmm. And
1: mm. all, a lot of mm. these companies. Mafia people. Mm.
0: A lot of these companies and a lot of these organizations, like Media Matters for America, NGOs, Bellingcat. Ooh, America, Bellingcat. We know them. Yes, we know them well. Wikipedia and the Wikimedia, Advanced Democracy, etc., etc., etc. Alright? Then you've got your fact checkers, quote unquote. And that's like factcheck.org and the Global Disinformation yeah. Index. And this is a massive project that's been assembled. Fact. A, that's putting all of this stuff together, right? And you've got your think tanks. The ones that put out those reports like the Aspen Institute and the Atlantic Council.
1: And they're Atlantic Council.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Right? And then you've mm. got the the academic initiatives
1: like we've Stanford, covered this.
0: The Stanford Internet Observatory uh, Specifically
1: There's a there's a great um mcLeod uh article that like talks about uh if I move my thing to see if it's here. Um I mean Colin covered it way back on INN News about uh English Ivy League uh Cambridge or
0: which Oxford, one's over there?
1: Cambridge, um, Oxford, one of those. Might have been it.
0: How oh, that like how the, the
1: literal mm-hmm. how literal um you know, deep state, ex CIA, FBI, ex military generals, ex like whatever are like working in these pos- positions of education at these places, you know, mm-hmm. and recruiting members that way.
0: It's all interconnected. And
1: also Controlling the education that your children get and at college. Very much so. You know,
0: the Hewlett Foundation, all these, the Google News Initiative, think of course, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which has donated millions to just about every major media organization the in the last few like years. Places
1: like Kurzagat, mm-hmm. Kurz is a gap. Um and other science influenced. Uh, Content on YouTube They fund a ton of that Yep So
0: So getting back to this article And I did want to read just the intro So what they did Was they laid out uh, They're starting to lay out These are the 50 largest Organizations to know The top 50 organizations that you should know about The Citizens Starter Kit To Understanding the New Global Information Cartel How it's all interconnected And It's going to give you, like, where do they appear in the Twitter files, how they're connected and who they're connected to, and where do they fit into the entire big picture. And it's really interesting. Yeah. So, intro, written by Matt Taibbi, but this was a collective of Susan Schmidt and Andrew Lowenthal. Shout out to Andrew from Network Effects. Tom Wyatt, Techno Fog. One of them is, uh, like, Chasing Tom Clancy and the other writers are, are listed at the bottom. Um, but Matt wrote the intro and he says that on d- January 17th, 1961 outgoing president and former Supreme allied commander Eisenhower gave one of the most consequential speeches in American history. Eisenhower for eight years had been a popular president whose appeal drew upon a reputation as a person of great for- great personal fortitude who guided the United States to victory in an existential fight for survival in World War II. Nonetheless, as he prepared to vacate the Oval Office for handsome young John F. Kennedy, he warned the country it was now at the mercy of a power even he could not overcome. So, this is interesting. Until World War II, America had no permanent arms manufacturing industry. I wasn't aware of that. Mm -hmm. Now it did. And this new sector, Eisenhower said was building up around itself a cultural, financial, and political support system <clears> of <throat> growing enormous power. This conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience, he said. And he basically called it a military-industrial complex, as you see here.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's Eisenhower's famous thing. mm mm-hmm. right? I mean, the thing was, you had places like Colt and Browning and whatever, but they were, like, isolated, you know, almost like special order kind of stuff. You know, you'd buy, before then, you'd buy stuff like a sharps rifle. You'd have a gunsmith build you a rifle, you know. Right. So, they started the manufacturing of that for the West, which is why those guns won the West, you know. But it wasn't necessarily an, an, an industry. You know? Yeah. Like, it was beginning to be. But... Yes. So, World War Two definitely solidified that. Because all those guys got giant government contracts.
0: Right. So, Eisenhower was, so, was saying, we must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties, our democratic processes. Only an alert and a knowledgeable citizenry can compel the... Proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals so that security and liberty may prosper together. That doesn't even include the intelligence community and corporations, which then start to really muddy the waters. Now, notice here it says restack quote because this is on Substack. I could put this out and it would make like a little um, italicized quoted thing and put that out on Substack notes, which is pretty cool. Makes it easy. Um, but Matt getting back to Matt, he's saying that this was the direst of warnings, but that the address has tended in popular press to be ignored after 60 plus years, most of America, including most of the American left, which traditionally focused on mo- the most on this issue has lost its fear that our arms industry might conquer democracy from within. Now, however, we've unfortunately found cause to reconsider Eisenhower's warning. Yeah. So while the civilian population only in recent years began haggling over a over deplatforming incidents involving figures like Alex Jones and Milo Yiannopoulos clowns, government agencies had already long been advancing a new theory of international conflict in which the informational landscape is more importantly understood as a battlefield than a forum for exchanging ideas. In this view, spammy ads, junk news, and the sharing of work from disinformation agents like Jones aren't inevitable features of a free internet, but authorities in a new form of a conflict called hybrid warfare. So literally, we were talking about some of those agents when we were talking about the list that Crab was doing just the other day, um, you know, the, uh, the, the shit-lib tier list. Because some of those people are definitely chaos agents. So
1: Well, I mean and and new popular uh stimulant addicts, Chris Mowry and uh yeah. Harry Jizison, Jay Sisson.
0: Right? Um, those those guys are special, huh? So So in in 1996, just as the Internet was becoming part of daily life in America, the U.S. Army published Field Manual 100-6, which spoke of an expanding information domain termed the global information environment that contains information processes and systems that are beyond the direct influence of the military. Military commanders needed to understand that information dominance in the GIE would henceforth be a crucial element for operating effectively. God, this is so dystopian. You'll often see it implied that information operations are only practiced by America's enemies because only America's enemies are low enough and deprived of enough of real firepower to require the use of such tactics, needing as they do to overcome military limitations. But we rarely hear about America's own lengthy history with active measures and information operations. Uh, But popular media gives us space to read about the desperate tactics of the Asiatic enemy Uh, Perennially perennially described as something like an incurable transcontinental golf cheat. Uh Um, Indeed, part of the new mania surrounding hybrid warfare is the idea that while the American human being is accustomed to living in clear states of war or peace, the Russian, Chinese, or Iranian citizen is born into a state of constant constant conflict where war is always ongoing, whether declared or not. Wow. In the face of such adversaries, America's open information landscape is little more than military weakness. I guess from a military perspective. I
1: want you to reiterate what IMAT stands for. Where? IMAT? I-M-A. Yeah. T-T. Industrial, Military.
0: Oh. Um well it's it's the M I C. It's it's the military industrial con- complex. Uh and it's it's the intelligence. Um hmm. Yeah, the the M A T T is is um it's got to do with corporate intelligence. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head. Um Too much weed guys. Sorry. Gotcha. It's been a long weekend. Um
1: oh 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 Thank we'll
0: you. Up. Part of the new mania surrounding hybrid warfare is the air, right? So military weakness. So in March of 2017, in an, in a hearing of the House Armed Services Committee on hybrid war, Chairman Mac Thornberry opened the session with ominous remarks, suggesting that the, in the wider context of history, an America built on constitutional principles of decentralized power might have been badly designed. Oh, okay. International um,
1: military assistance and training team. There you go. Yeah.
0: That is also dystopian. But that's Americans animated. are used to th- yeah, that, yeah, that's that's our peacekeeping troops that are over in Ukraine right now. Uh-huh. So, yep. This guy said Americans are used to thinking of a binary state of either war or peace. That's the way our organization's doctrine and approaches are gener- are geared. Uh, other countries including Russia, China, Iran use a wider way array of centrally controlled or at least centrally directed instruments of national power and influence to achieve their objectives. Whether it's contributing to, political, to foreign political parties, targeted assassinations of opponents, infiltrating non-uniform personnel such as the little green men, traditional media and social media, influence operations, or cyber connected activity, all of these tactics and more are used to advance their national interests and most often to damage American national interests. The historical record suggests that hybrid warfare in one form or another may well be the norm for human conflict rather than the exception. Um, Yeah, except we do all that stuff too. And I think that's the point. Uh, Around that same time, i.e. shortly after the election of Donald Trump, it was becoming a gospel. Among the future leaders of the centralship industrial complex that interference by malign foreign threat actors and the vicissitudes of Western domestic politics must be linked. So everything from Podesta emails to Trump's Rust Belt primary victories to Brexit were to be understood first and foremost as hybrid war events. (sighs) So... This is why the Trump-Russia scandal in the United States will likely be remembered as a crucial moment in the 21st century history, even though the investigation superficially ended a non-story fake news itself. in itself. Um, but what the Mueller investigation didn't accomplish in ousting Trump from office, it did accomplish in birthing a vast new pro- public-private bureaucracy devoted to stopping mis-dis-and-malinformation. Wow, now there's malinformation while smoothing public acquiescence to the emergence of a spate of new government agencies with information warfare missions, like that one that I just showed you. The censorship industrial complex is just the military industrial complex reborn for the hybrid warfare age. That makes sense. Much like the war industry, pleased to call itself the defense sector, the anti-disinformation complex, complex markets exe- itself as merely defensive designed to fend off the hostile attacks of foreign cyber adversaries who, unlike us, have military limitations. 800 bases worldwide were not spread thin at all. The CIC, however, is neither wholly about defense, nor even mostly focused on foreign disinformation. It's become instead a relentless unified messaging system aimed primarily at domestic populations, who are told that political discord at home aids the enemy's undeclared hybrid assault on democracy. Basically, if you question Joe Biden, you're helping Russia or you're helping China. That's effectively what they're saying there. And that's the narrative that's being projected. Yeah, we know the thing. Thanks, Joe. They suggest we must rethink old conceptions about rights, and give ourselves over to new surveillance techniques like toxicity monitoring. Oh
1: God! What so, does that mean?
0: Yep, to replace the old free press with that's editors. like
1: that's like if you get into a room and Britney Spears is playing, you, you can monitor that.
0: Well, wait. But, or no,
1: not with toxic. Toxicity is um yes, yeah, toxic. That's right. System of be- a down. Be-
0: right, but okay, you're gonna replace yeah. be- the musty be- old. Be- be- right, you're gonna replace the musty old free press. Editors claiming a nose for news with an updated model that uses automated assignment tools like newsworthy claim extraction and submit to frank thought policing mechanisms like the redirect method, which sends ads and online browsers mm-hmm. of dangerous content, pushing them toward constructive alternative messages.
1: Jeez.
0: It's, it's ink uh-huh. sock. It's, it's totally ink sock. Yeah. Yeah, again, what they're talking about is binding all this commitment to a new homogenous politics, which the complex of public and private agencies listed below seeks to capture in something like a unified field theory of neoliberal narrative, which can be perpetually tweaked and amplified online via algorithm and via machine learning. This is what some of the... Yeah, this is what some of the organizations on this list mean when they talk about coming up with a shared vocabulary of information disorder or credibility or media literacy. Basically, anything that they disagree with is illiterate and uh, not credible and disorder. (laughs) Anti-disinformation groups talk endlessly about building resilience to disinformation which in practice means making sure the public hears only approved narratives so often that anything else seems, seems frightening or repellent. And audiences are trained to question, not only the need for checks and balances, but competition competition is increasingly frowned upon, not just in the marketplace of ideas. Like I said, fuck you, Dave Rubin, fuck you, everybody. Sorry out there in Republican land. That's trying to control narratives. Um, because that, uh, that itself, like I said, if Dave Rubin is talking about it, it's got to be outdated. But in the traditional capitalist sense, in the Twitter files, we repeatedly find documents like this unsigned sphere of influence review, circulated by Carnegie Endowment, that wonders aloud if tech companies really need to be competing to get it right. Yeah, thanks. So there it is. Is competition for best practices a good thing? Is that a good is it good or bad that Facebook and Twitter have different policies? God, I want to punch these people.
1: <laughs> elbows, bro, elbows.
0: Right? Submission. Um, just choke them out, but no, that's probably a bad thing to say this week.
1: Yeah. But nah, yeah, that's fine. they want to counter
0: influence operations, which of course, they want to be the only ones to be implementing the influence operations. They just want to clear the playing field, sons of bitches. Mm. In place of competition, yep. sorry, the groups we've been tracking favor the concept of shared endeavor. One British group has even started a shared endeavor program in which key stakeholders hash out their disagreements in private, but present a unified front. Sounds like parents. Like, really? Yep. Um, That's exactly what they're doing. They're parenting. Who are the leaders of these messaging campaigns well if you care to ask the groups below are a good place to start the top 50 list is intended as a resource for reporters and researchers beginning their journey toward learning toward learning the scale and ambition of the censorship industrial complex it's written like a magazine feature it tries to answer a few basic questions about funding organization type history and especially methodology many anti-disinformation groups adhere The same formulaic approach to research, often using the same hate mapping, guilt by association type analysis to identify wrong thinkers and suppressive persons. That's like like
1: Hamilton 68, 69.
0: Mm -hmm. There's even a tendency to use what one Twitter file source described as the same hairball graphics, which is interesting. We're going to get into one of those hairball graphics in a minute. Where they compete often Whoa. Is in the area of gibberish Verbiage describing their re- Respective and analytical methods Um My favorite came from the public good projects Which in a display of predictive Skills reminiscent of the unsinkable Titanic <laughs> Described itself as the buzzfeed of public Health Ooh. Which
1: we We saw what happened to that too Big time oof so. Okay Together
0: these now that's groups, a
1: lot of damage
0: yeah, these groups are fast achieving what Eisenhower feared the elimination of balance between the democratic need for liberalizing laws and institutions and the vigilance required for military preparation. Democratic society requires the nourishment of free debate, disagreement, and intellectual intellectual tension, but the groups below seek instead that shared vocabulary. To deploy on the hybrid battlefield. They propose R- to serve as the guardians of that vocabulary. Gatekeepers, yes. Which sounds very much like the scenario Ike outlined in nineteen sixty one, in which public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific and technical technological elite. Which is exactly what's happened. So
1: What was that? Um
0: and that's where I'm gonna stop. Forget-
1: but it sort of uh, grow up a little, sure. Public good projects? No.
0: Buzzfeed of public health. Uh,
1: she, says, she had a cavalry to the hybrid battlefield, the. It says guards of cavalry, which sounds very like the scenario Ike outlined. Whatever. I've, yes, I've,
0: I lost bankrupt it. BuzzFeed, that's right Okay, so they do go into a literal list of 50 organizations Now what I, what I want to just lay, lay out And I don't want to go into any of them in detail Because I think I might actually want to do a series Where I dig into each one of these initially Or maybe a few of them per episode There's 50 companies here and we've already heard about more But what they do, and I'm sorry to scroll through it But first they talk about who they are Here's a link to their site. Here's the type of organization that they are. And when may have you read about them? Okay. Um, what do they do? Kind of. And then what do they do and what are they selling? What is their characteristic worldview quotes? What is the gibberish verbiage that they like to rely on? Where do they appear in the Twitter files? All of this stuff is referenced here. Mm-hmm. It's really good stuff. And then here's their goofy graphage. This is first drafts.
1: All right. Right.
0: And who are they closely connected
1: to? The man of Madame.
0: And then I love the insums with a strong ability to both know and direct emerging trends. And with a large array of elite networks in tow, the IFL, which you've probably never heard of, will continue to serve as one of the key tastemakers in the anti disinformation field. Again,
1: there are 50 Wait, the taste makers. What is that? What is that? Where have I heard that makers,
0: before? Um, probably in the
1: food. taste makers.
0: So look at this. So this somebody, is
1: it's like a commercial or something. I am proposing you know, these the be the makers. first
0: people we give to our see something say something email alias. Uh, to um, and this was from somebody at Twitter, and they want to give people from all these think tanks. And all these organizations unifying email addresses to link them together. A little frightening. No, that's not, mm. not good at all. Bad cookies. 100%. Lori Spencer, how are you? Cool. We had an internet hook uh, uh-huh. up, and hopefully hopefully, we'll be back. I don't know, but we're talking about censorship, and we're talking about the censorship industrial complex, and we're going to get into a couple of other areas here that most likely...
1: meme of... The of the FBI outside Indy's house cutting cables.
0: The narrative managers are yeah. not going to. Now, again, I'm going to go down to number 27, I believe it was. It was somewhere around 27. And I, I please look at this. This is an encyclopedia of the narrative managers. But I want to call look your look attention at this graph. to number 27. The Omidyar group, our friend Pierre, not really our friend at all. So, what does he do? And this is where we're going to see this graph. A series of foundations from the founder of eBay, providing a huge amount of funding to the censorship industrial complex. What a shock. Okay. They... He's funded projects, including the incredibly creepy Crypto chat, which peers into private and encrypted messaging systems to weed out misinformation. He's funded the Algorithmic Transparency Institute, which conducts civic listening and automated collection of data from closed messaging apps in order to combat the problematic content, right? Pierre Omidyar himself is perhaps the most famous trader to the cause of free speech in the anti-disinformation complex, having once stepped in as to serve as the protector of Snowden's documents. Of course, where the Snowden archives now, Glenn Greenwald has custom. them. Look back and you'll well, see articles describing him as a Bruce Wayne-like figure, a reclusive billionaire for whom the Snowden leaks gave him a cause and an enemy. Okay, and it's gonna it talks about the stand that he's giving funds to almost all the leading anti-disinformation initiatives, right? And of course, he is is a key funder of The Intercept, or at least was. They've now since claimed to have bought some of it back, but of course his people are on the board and he has still a lot of controlling interests. They did buy back a percentage of the company from First Look Media with a plan to buy it all back but some of their board members are still directly linked to Omidyar and his reach and control over the narrative in that organization are certainly strong. And here is that hairball graph. And what they did was they tried to map out his influence sphere and how it intersects and how things are shared amongst different groups to disseminate amongst different groups. Alright, and yeah, Nick Pickles. We've talked about Nick Pickles before. He reacts to it. <laughs> yeah, Home in yeah. your DR- sponsored report on junk news. These are Americans sharing American content.
1: Mr. Pickles.
0: They count sharing a URL the same irrelevant if a user was sharing it to go, OMG, look at this rubbish and debunking it. Mess. Mm-hmm. But this is a megafund and a driving force behind the censorship industrial complex. And there are 50 of these, and this is just a surface. So somebody else tagged me when I posted this link initially on Twitter. And they came back to me and they said, you know, there's a lot more than 50 organizations. And there's this one, there's this one, and they tagged like three others. And I was like, Hey, uh, Andrew Lowenthal, I tagged him at N and, and effects at, and A F F E C T S on Twitter. Network effects. Hey Andrew, what about these? And he's like, Yeah, there's actually a ton more. And we just got to the first fifty. So thank you. And yeah. Um oh. I'm getting red lines again. God damn it. And then it goes green again. Okay. So
1: Yeah, dude, it's just kind of going in and out. Like bad. It's fine. Like, it seems to be holding up, but it's, like, every once in a while, it's just, like, there's a little... There's something. There's, like, a short in the line at your house. I don't know. You probably got to call them and have them, like... Like, it could be, like, their infrastructure. Like, I had to call them out for the same thing. You know? Like, there's a switch that's, like, loose somewhere. You know?
0: Yeah. So, I've got two stories that kind of overlap a little bit. Uh, I want to get into... Accountable first. So I want to first talk about, and let me share the, the thumbnail. It means I have to go to the slideshow on and put the slideshow on like that and then go like this. Yep. Okay. So that's accountable, right? So is accountable just another thing, t- DNC think tank, what the hell is this organization? So who's accountable? What's going on here? So initially I've been getting, uh, because I have to redo how I'm doing the newsletter, um, or that I'm not getting my email news in a newsletter format from news. I'm getting everybody else's newsletters and I'm having to sift through all the stuff. And I clicked on a common dreams article and it had it referenced a study by accountable.us. I'm like, I I've heard of this organization, but who are they? So I decided to dig a little deeper. And then I saw that they were actually involved in a second article that we're going to get to next involving the Clarence Thomas thing. And they published something about accountability with the Supreme court, but this one had to do with, um, specifically the profitability of all the major food companies. And so I'm going to share this now. Let me go back. Ah, Slide show off. Okay. So what it says is that as food prices remain stubbornly high for Americans, the three largest U.S. at-home food companies continue to pad profits while working to convince consumers that it wasn't their fault for prices, that prices have gone up. And it's a long report, and it's like 11 pages, and at the end it tells you that Mondelez, General Mills, and Kraft Heinz profited wildly from this. All right? Um, so that's a nice watchdog type, type of organization. And I started looking into, okay, so who, who is this org? Because they also showed up in the Clarence Thomas thing. So the first thing I did was th- I watched their like, their who are we video. So I'm like, all right, what, what's this all about? Watch, it's less than it's a minute. So let's watch it. Corporations and special interests have too much power over our government and
1: our economy. Working hand in hand with lawmakers They rig the game in their favor, undermining our democracy, harming our environment, and pushing an economic and political agenda that benefits them at the expense of the American people. We're here to hold them accountable. Our high-impact
0: investigative research exposes the connections between corporations, special interests, and government officials, shining a light on the truth for ordinary Americans. So together, we can create a democracy that is accountable to us. An economy that works for everyone and a sustainable environment for future generations. The stock video is a really red flag to me, to be honest.
1: Yep.
0: All right, this just screams like corporate speak to me, you know, like I I watch this and I'm like, ah, red flags, red flags, red flags, okay. What the hell is going on? Who are these guys? And where did they come from? So then I go to their website. and I'm like, okay, what's happening here? So let's look at this ticker across the top. Cost of MAGA default. Deny 926,000 families housing choice vouchers. Okay. Cost of MAGA default. Sabotage the Department of Labor's ability to protect millions of vulnerable workers. But it's only MAGA default, right? More red flags. Yeah, and it sounds very flowery. We're taking on the special interests, obstructing progress. This all sounds wonderful, and we've we've arranged our content by these different issues: corporate values and democracy and power and influence. But when you click on each one of these, what you find is it is very one sided, in a way that I've really never yep. seen. An institute like this that claims to be about accountability, only looking at one party and one side. We expose the truth for the people about Republicans. Yep. But not about what Democrats are doing. No corruption on the Democratic side. No acknowledgement that corruption even happens on the Democratic side. This is all one hundred percent means you'll probably So I'm
1: like any right. lie from that side about the other side.
0: Right. Now, what are their priorities? And they have a whole thing about what what their priorities are and what they're looking for. And Okay. Americans value fairness and honesty and stand against conservative extremism. Agreed. The Mm -hmm. Democrats are also implementing conservative extremism, but they don't want to talk about that. Yep. They talk about, oh, they've got a whole website about Leonard Leo, Mr. Maga. All right. And he is a bad dude who has influence over a $1.6 billion network Ran a
1: bunch of bad boys. Yeah, he's Corn Pop.
0: And then we have another site that they have called Monitoring Influence. And how interesting, when we just talked about Mm -hmm. the last influence network (laughs) with the censorship industrial complex, notice how none of the organizations within the censorship industrial complex appear Anywhere in here, because they don't want you to know about those. They only want to expose yep. the corruption on the right. The Mercer Family Foundation and Freedom Works and the Ed Uline Family Foundation. Now, all of these things do funnel down as part of the censorship industrial complex, but on a much further down scale, because they are not trying to censor people or and now they have their own narrative that's trying to push for sure. And that's what the censorship industrial complex I like
1: their- will call out pop art design though.
0: Right. But like, Oh my goodness. Right. So then the last thing that I did was I start looking at, okay, So now I'm now taking whatever they're saying with a grain of salt. Um, I then go to, who are these people? Joe, our board and our leadership. Who are these people? Who are these people? Yeah. Where's where's that? Come on, man. Slipping.
1: What? Yeah, Who you, are these can people? Can you find it quick? That's am sure. Yeah, I have it somewhere. Who are these Who people? Are these people?
0: Yeah. Who are these people? Right. So, Kyle Herrig has dedicated his career to promoting the interests of all Americans and not just the rich and powerful. Uh-huh. This is a nice bio. Um, and he actually seems pretty legit and on the up and up. He leads the Congressional Integrity Project, which is a government accountability organization, focuses on solely on the integrity of the legislative branch. Okay, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, it shed light on membership, members of Congress that engage in corruption to benefit themselves, allies, and special interests. Okay, cool. So this guy's all right. All right? Right. Except they wouldn't put him in, as president of this, this TDS organization unless something wasn't right. So now I decide to, like, look a little bit deeper. Tony Kark. And let's meet Tony. Mm. Tony is the executive director. I to enunciate. Yes, Kark.
1: Those are also double R's, so you have to trill those. Kark. You have to to roll those. Right. (laughs) Kark.
0: Kark.
1: Tony Kark. Before joining Accountable. the, The evil Spanish twin of Kit. (laughs) <laughs> you have kitten Kark.
0: Wait, Tony serves you know? as the Deputy Campaign Director for Protect Our Care An advocacy organization that led The fight against the repeal of the Affordable Care Act Let's keep Obamacare in yep. place, folks In 2015 and 16 Tony was the research director For Hillary Clinton's presidential Campaign mm-hmm. Of course he was Now we're seeing what's going mm. on He was also
1: he f- One of the ones who wrote about that uh, book the like. You know the 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 ramen five guys filled room where they made up the Russia stuff. That that book.
0: I don't know. That's a good um, question. But prior to his first role at accountable and vice president of issue campaigns, Tony served as the vice president of policy and research at the Center for American Progress Action Fund, and before that as a oh, director at the healthcare Care yeah, War Room. Okay. Oh, and by the way, he also served in other senior research and policy roles for friends of Terry McAuliffe, friends of the Clintons and Democratic Senate and other Democratic Senate campaign committees. Right. So so this is Tony. But it only gets worse, folks, because Sarah Bruno, our chief of staff, and she's she's the one who's hiring people. Uh, Now, she served as the executive director most recently of the public leadership education network. So this is an organization committed to increasing the number and diversity of women in public policy roles. So this is, she's HR, right? She served, um, she was, she was actually pretty legit. Uh, I had something on her too. Now I can't remember what it was here, but it's very, um, I don't know. I don't know what her deal is. Oh, uh, she served as the National Development director at America Votes and at the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. She had a nonprofit career at Boston Area Rape Prices Center, which is good. Um, there was something really weird. COO at the Truman National Security Project. That's That was a bit questionable. I need to look a little bit more into that one. Who was it? It was Angela Canterbury. And then, of course, Derek Morton underneath. But Angela Canterbury, these people. Okay, so she played a key role in exposing the cover-up of Water Contamination at Camp Lejeune, which is good. <clears throat> She's been a changemaker for democracy. Hold on. Uh-huh. Where's my where's my list of people? We're not live on Rockfin. Damn it. Uh, where is, hold on. I have a list of peeps. Okay, no, it's Lizzie Price I want to get to. Where's Lizzie Price? Our Director of Strategic Partnerships. What did she do before? She previously led efforts to expose corruption and malfeasance at highest levels of government and to educate public and policymakers about these critical issues. That sounds good, right? Except she's also led the communications effort of national and state organizations, including For Our Future, American Bridge. Correct the record. What the fuck? Thank you. And Arkansas, New Hampshire Democratic Party. Don't like her. And then we've got Mm. Derek Martin, who is our director of research and campaigns. Derek is also problematic, and here's why. Because in his previous roles, he's been involved in initiatives to defend the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Very good. Predict payday loan borrowers also good, and discriminatory lending practices very good. But prior to that, he spent several years consulting on electoral camp campaigns at the local, state, and federal levels about what. Not sure, but Derek also worked at the U.S. Department of Defense, supporting its counterintelligence mission within the IT supply chain and helping to devise risk mitigation strategies. For the federal government, that sounds benign, mm.
1: but is not very benign. Yeah, except, yeah, that's intel shit.
0: Mm-hmm. So now you have a coming together of the research director for the Hillary Clinton campaign, the uh, le- the head of communications for Correct the Record. And the current research director has a background in counterintelligence within IT Supply. Can yes. I scream red flag anymore at this MAGA screaming TDS organization that everything that they say now must be taken with a grain of salt? All right. Ah! Now it you doesn't mean at them? it doesn't mean that I do. No, I want to scream at everybody else
1: <laughs> at what this is. Hmm.
0: so that's their website. The monitoring influence thing is pretty rough, but again it's it's basically like a back you know it's 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 a counter to the censorship industrial complex where they're providing their view of who's influencing republican networks <clears throat> specifically. Yeah. And that's fair, but that's not where most of the people are getting their news and information from, and also fairness. Um, so that is accountable. So watch out for accountable. They're not, they're not here to help. Um, they're here to definitely spin a narrative for the Democratic Party. Uh there was something else I wanted to look at was their partnerships. Mm-hmm. Uh let's go back one second here. Mm-hmm. Cause I know that they had something about a partnership with um the Democratic National Committee, I believe. Yeah, they call themselves a nonpartisan effort organization except that they only look at one party so how can they really be nonpartisan they're 100% partisan show me where you found a democrat guilty of anything especially one that's tied to the clinton administration to the clinton foundation or the clinton family who's still involved in party politics i'll bet there isn't any but maybe i'm wrong i'm guessing i'm not that's that's accountable Alright. So
1: okay.
0: Gamer, welcome back. Anthony Weiner did go to jail for twenty one months, correct? But I don't think that Ask it was me about I don't think my that it was wiener. for the laptop. I think that that was more for like the chatting with women, underage women maybe online and showing showing yeah, he said, showing his, his, his wiener. Little, uh, it's a, Wiener's a wiener, wiener or something? Yeah, but yeah. he it was whatever. Yeah. It was basically like him in his underwear, but called it There's Wiener's a Wiener. In there
1: somewhere.
0: Yeah, it was it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. Okay, so fuck you accountable.us. Um we've got our eyes on you. And here's their IRS forms and they, they file and they're on the up and up. Now where's their money coming from? Hmm. Let's see. Uh to, 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 they got $12 million yeah, it's all about Geometry From the prior year And $8.5 and in the current year Alright Um, They paid out Almost $4 million in salaries So this is While it is a not for profit It doesn't mean that it's not for money And Kyle Herrig I'll bet is mm-hmm. probably Making some money there Okay. It says what they are It spent $6 million And earned $61,000 of revenue. That seems like a little bit of an imbalance. Um, you're literally looking at their filings here. So, did the organization answer yes to this? And what's their story? So, I'm looking to see if I can find some summaries here of what this is. Return is qualified for e file. <clears throat> I don't, they obviously are losing money. You could see that um, net assets. Okay, so they had $5 million on hand. Mm-hmm. Who's this for? Accountable. Whose money is this? Okay. This is accountable.us. This is the 501c3 that is the TDS organization that's putting out all these studies and
1: reports. Gotcha. But where's this roll F income? Where's
0: $20 million over two years coming from? Yeah. They, employing 47 people.
1: I would like to see that. And those Christmas parties must be legit.
0: Right? Uh, I'm looking to see where that comes from, but I'm guessing it's like open society. $61,000 in litigation. Let's see. Rising Tide Interactive. Ah, we know those guys, independent contractors mm-hmm. that have received more than $100,000 from the organization. So they paid that, they paid them over half a million dollars for digital advertising and consulting. They're paying polling and research. They're paying RAND Corporation for IT consulting. Yikes.
1: Dan Rand?
0: No, worse. Oh. There's all kinds of different um, red flags in here in these filings. They spent only $153,000 on expenses with $8 million of income for the year. But over $3 on million on, sa- on salaries. Right? They're not going to say who and how much. Sitting on 5 million in. Okay, that's total liabilities. Net assets, five thousand, uh, 5 million. Okay. They started with 8.8. They're currently sitting on 5.0. Net assets or fund balances at the beginning of the year, 3.4. Okay, so they actually took in. A million and a half dollars, it looks like, from net assets to begin the year to net assets to end the year. I'd love to know where that million and a half dollars came from. Grants. There's the eight million, but it doesn't break it down. I got to get into the filings and see where this, where this comes from. It was incorporated on March 26th, 2019 short year activity. All right, I'll get into this and I'll, I'll report back on this. I don't want to take everybody's time, but uh, I definitely want to look more into this organization. Who's funding them, where the money's coming from. Like I said, I'm guessing that there's going to be open society links. There's probably Bloomberg links. This is the kind of organization that, that these type of companies love to invest in and they may be part of the censorship industrial complex i'll check with andrew lowenthal also and ask see if he's got any connections there all right so i didn't even realize i wasn't sharing sure my screen okay the last story i want to get into is like so wrong on so many levels Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court Justice. <clears throat> we know him well. We don't love him well. Um, what if I do this and I stretch this across? Reach. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to do. There we go. Now we're cooking with gas. I was like, you know, I did this last time and it looked better. Just go. Nice. All right. Kenny Stansel over at Common Dreams and Sharon Zhang over at Truthout, both put out articles this week about this. And this is based on a ProPublica report. So for those who haven't been following, we'll start by ProPublica first put out this report called Clarence Thomas, an undisclosed luxury travel guest from a billionaire. So, for over 20 years, Clarence Thomas has been treated to luxury vacations by billionaire Republican donor Harlan Crow. Why does this matter? He goes on cruises in far flung locales on Crow's yacht. Oh nice. The Michaela Rose. Boats. He flies on his private jet. Yes,
1: it's boats. Planes, trains, and automobiles. And he
0: keeps company with Crow's powerful friends at his private resort. Which he thought was no problem. So the extent of Crow's largesse has never been revealed until now. And that is this article in ProPublica, published April 6th, about Clarence Thomas and the billionaire. Now, a lot of this, I think, was partisan in a way, but it's also nonpartisan in that it's corruption. And it doesn't matter who it is, but they certainly had motivation to go after a Republican. Supreme court justice while Joe Biden is in office. Um, And at least they had a 50, 50 in the Senate. I don't know how they would get one through, but that's another story. And this is an 18 minute long article that you can actually listen to. They can play an audio. I'm not going to read this article, but what I want to point out was this relationship that they had, but then it got worse because Not on April 6th, but on May 4th, they they printed and released that Clarence Thomas had a child in private school and this same billionaire financier donor also paid the tuition. Get the hell out of here. Yep. True. So, Crow paid for private school for a relative. Thomas said that he was raising as a son. This is way outside the norm. Again, great work by the same trio over at ProPublica that has been on this for over a month. This is a 14-minute long read, you know, listen to. So I'm not going to go through this one either, but I will reference these articles in the chat afterwards, in the doobly-doo afterwards, and in the sub stack. So what happens as a development is, all right, so some people are now calling for... Senate investigations and hearings into this corruption. And wait a minute. So Clarence Thomas is this level of guilty, and he's just allowed to get away with it? Well, apparently, and let's look into exactly why. So Kenny Stansel has the article here, Common Dreams in the Media award honoree.
1: You got it. Yeah, I know I got it. Because I did it for you. Billionaire
0: Harlan Crow also bankrolled GOP lawmakers blocking SCOTUS ethics reform. He bought them yep. all. He bought them all. A new analysis shows Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee have received more than $450,000 from the same GOP mega donor who has lavished Justice Clarence Thomas with undisclosed gifts. Yes, exactly, Desert Mantis. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. So the Senate Judiciary Committee on Monday sent a letter asking Harlan Crow, the billionaire GOP megadonor who has secretly showered U.S. Supreme Court Justice (laughs) Clarence Thomas with hundreds of thousands of dollars in gifts since the mid-90s, to provide a full accounting of his financial ties to Thomas and any other judges on the high court. But it comes as no surprise that none of the panel's nine Republicans signed the letter, Accountable.us, declared Tuesday. And this was one of the first times that Uh, Accountable showed up on my radar. Because they have collectively accepted nearly half a million dollars in campaign cash from Crow since the turn of the century, is a new announcement. About a half a million dollars in campaign cash. Not quite that much. Uh, not quite one million. Is <laughs> half, half of one million dollars. <laughs> yes. Uh since the turn of the century, as it, and that's as a new analysis from the watchdog group shows. But last month, one day after the pro after ProPublica published its bombshell report on Crows under the table funding of near annual luxury vacations for Thomas, the first of which would become many revelations about the two men's financial relationship. Accountable.us calculated, with their infinite wisdom, as we know who Accountable is, that the current Republican members of the Senate Judiciary Committee received $453,300 from Crow between 2001 and 2022. They revised that figure up to 457000 Tuesday in light of a $3,700 donation Crow made to Senator John Cornyn earlier this year in Texas. So here's the following, uh, that's a list of Crows' total contributions to the nine GOP lawmakers on the panel, as well as their affiliated PACs and joint fundraising committees in descending order. So, of course, the committee chair is Cornyn. He got the biggest payoff at $294,000. And he's going to make sure that no matter what, nothing's going to get called. But just in case, in order to wet everybody else's beak, keep them quiet, You've got all the other Republicans on the committee, including Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, a veritable who's who of douchebaggery. Um, they're all on the take. And at least, at minimum, and again, this is since 2001. That's a long time. Marsha Blackburn, she's got to be yep. pissed. First of all, she's the Marcia, only woman on Marcia. the list. First of all, she's the only woman on the list. Uh, she's only been a senator. I think she's had two campaigns, which is why you only have 6,400. That's 3,700 times two. That's the maximum. Either that or it was only one campaign. I think she's only run for Senate once and he donated both in the primary as well as in the general. So he maxed out in both cases. Um, but they also had the related pacts and they funnel money and this is how they get Past the $3,700 threshold. On top of the fact that this was over decades. So the longer they've been a senator, the more they got. And mm-hmm. Kyle Herrig, who runs Accountable, there should be bipartisan outrage about the undisclosed gifts and travel billionaire mega donor Harlan Crowe has given Justice Thomas. Senate Judiciary Republicans should join the Democratic colleagues to act. However, their silence so far may be because they've received hundreds of thousands of dollars from Crow as well. Yeah, they don't care. Who's going to hold them accountable? Their their voters, their constituents don't give a shit. The highest court in the land should have the highest ethical standards, he added. When it doesn't, Congress should exert its oversight authority. Agreed, yes. but. Not only have Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee with apparent conflicts of interest refused to join the Democratic colleagues in trying to establish enforceable ethics rules for the Supreme Court, but they've attempted to downplay the seriousness of the court's growing crisis of legitimacy. Scalia also was, by the way, going on junkets and free trips and doing all kinds of stuff. It's just that he died before they really got into him. Who watches yeah. The Watchman is absolutely right, Rick Solis. Several of the panel's GOP members Mm -hmm. used last week's hearing on proposed Supreme Court ethics reforms, a hearing Chief Justice John Roberts refused to testify at, despite mounting evidence of possible corruption involving Thomas and others, including Roberts himself, as well as Justice Neil Gorsuch, as an opportunity for political grandstanding and performative outrage accountable, noted on Tuesday. Uh Uh-huh. So... They're partisan. They claim to be nonpartisan. They are absolutely 100% partisan. They are against the Republican judges here. Accountable.us has an agenda,
1: folks. And we use that same photo on a thumbnail.
0: Yeah, how about that? What, the one uh, with... Not that a,
1: photo, but like the one in their thing. Yeah, like I use that. Thomas Frowning? Like no, that,
0: that was literally on this thumbnail right.
1: for, the, for this segment. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Everyone uses that one.
0: Cornyn claimed that Congress did not have the authority to regulate the courts due to separation of powers, a claim that was disproven by an expert witness that testified at the hearing. Cruz claimed the hearing was not about judicial ethics, but instead was an attempt to attack Justice Thomas for having rich friends. Well, yes. It, well, it's not attacking him, but it's certainly attacking him for exploiting the fact that he has rich friends and accepting gifts from those rich friends. Potentially for influence and at least a conversation and access. Right. All right. So, meanwhile, Mike Lee went so far as That's to say awesome. that when this That's chapter of American history is written, those who attack Justice Thomas Day will be justly dismissed as intolerant bigots. Oh my God. Anita Hill would have something to say about that. Mm hmm. Meanwhile, Lindsey Graham, who is the ranking member, accused the left of trying to delegitimize the court and cherry-pick examples to make a point. Okay, Blanche. Echoing his right-wing ally, of course, Chuck Grassley argued, he's like 90, the fossil, that recent revelations are part of a long-term effort to cast doubt on certain judges and justices. Yeah, because they've been guilty for 30 fucking years. All because the left is opposed to recent court rulings. No, they've been opposed to every court ruling that that guy's laid down he got into the Supreme Court because he's bought lock, stock, and smoking barrel. And he's going to get away scot-free, as I said in the thumbnail. Kennedy, John Kennedy from Louisiana for his part, denounced attacks on conservative justices as targeted and exaggerated and dismissed proposed Supreme Court ethics rules as unnecessary. Yeah, because they don't benefit him. So Two days after right-wing senators Accused reform advocates of launching what Cruz called a smear campaign against Commas, ProPublica revealed that Crow uh-huh. also paid tens of thousands of dollars for the jurist's grandnephew to attend a pair of elite private schools. This came uh-huh. after earlier exposes about Crow footing the bill for yacht trips, buying and remodeling Thomas's mother's home, and more. This is what they do. They don't get paid directly, they get paid through the families, Hunter Biden. James Biden. What? Sorry, I didn't say that. No, I did say that. Mm -hmm. Given the mounting evidence of potential connections. Well, got to look into that. Given the mounting evidence of potential connections between Crowe's gifts, which Thomas sought to keep hidden, and Thomas's inclination to rule in in ways favorable to his super-rich benefactor, calls for the judge to resign or face impeachment are growing. Except, not only does Crowe have links to numerous right-wing groups involved in the Supreme Court cases— since Thomas was first confirmed to the bench in 91, but his own real estate company, Crow Holdings, was directly implicated in a 2021 case before the court. Guess who didn't recuse himself? As the lever reported last month, Thomas voted to end the COVID-era federal eviction moratorium after Crow <laughs> Holdings called the life-saving policy a threat to its profit margins. Now, as a group of New York City landlords prepares to ask the high court to overturn local rent control laws condemned by Crow Holdings, a move that would endanger rent stabilization efforts nationwide, quote, there is no indication Thomas would recuse himself, the outlet noted. What a shock. Moreover, as Common Dreams reported last week.
1: Citizens United, huh?
0: An Americans for Tax Fairness analysis of campaign finance data shows that after Thomas provided a deciding vote on the Citizens United case, the Crows family's average annual campaign contributions soared by 862% from about $163,000 a year before 2010 to over $1.5 million a year since. This massive increase, which is partly reflected in Crow's donations to Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee, underscores how the 5-4 yeah. ruling that effectively legit- legalized unlimited political spending has strengthened the wealthy's ability to shape electoral outcomes, further undermining U.S. democracy. On Tuesday, the lever argued that the main goal of Crow and other billionaires who provide gifts and outside money— members of the Supreme court is not to obtain certain decisions in specific cases, given that the court's right-wing ideologues would likely c- rule conservatively anyway, but to prevent GOP appointees from becoming more liberal over time, a phenomenon that, that has occurred in the past. So according to Mondays, alluding to Monday's letter from the Senate judiciary committee chair, Dick Durbin from Illinois, WAPO reported that quote, if Crow ignores the request for information by the committee's May 22nd deadline, it's unclear what Durbin's next move would be, unquote. San Francisco, the San Francisco Chronicle reported Tuesday that Senator Feinstein, Fossil, is returning to Capitol Hill after an illness yep. kept her away from the Senate since February. We know all about that. Her absence has left Durbin That's without a majority on the panel, enabling the GOP minority to impede action, but her return would open up back options. You think she's going to do something? In an interview with CNN on Sunday, Durbin did not rule out the possibility of a subpoena, saying that everything is on the table. Sure, except that Durbin's running for re-election. When I'm sure Harlan Crow's money is going to find
1: its way into his coffers too.
0: In addition to the thing about
1: um Hmm? Feinstein, where they have like a panic alarm whenever she like leaves the room. Like, so that, uh, like, there's always a a staffer that will be with her, you know?
0: She's 90, there should be. Like, they, like, literally have, like, a phone thing. Yeah, like a life alert. Uh Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, in addition to the implementation Mm -hmm. of robust ethics rules, progressives (laughs) have called for far-reaching changes to disempower the country's rogue Supreme Court justices, including expanding the court. Seats have been added seven times throughout U.S. history, and then have been pulled back by, for, by future presidents. Polling data shows that public approval of the nation's chief judicial body has decreased sharply in the months since its reactionary supermajority eliminated the constitutional right to abortion care, among other harmful and unpopular decisions. That's their opinion, man. Yeah. And I don't disagree, but it's certainly uh. an opinion. According to a survey conducted last month, nearly okay. two-thirds of U.S. adults no longer have confidence in the high court. Who who, who conducted that survey? Oh, God. New Republic. Another um, shit-lib outlet. Garbage. Where'd it mm-hmm. come from? Poll conducted by NPR, PBS NewsHour, NPR. and the Marist Institute for Public Opinion.
1: Shit-libs. So that's going to be like... I yes.
0: Oh, All right. So here's the Sharon's. I mean, I don't article. have
1: confidence in it either. I would have told him same thing, but
0: Sharon basically wrote the same article, only a little bit tighter. Uh bombshell reports uncovered. Oh, yes. And this is where um I saw initially I think they actually uh referenced here here it is the accountable report. So I saw Sharon's report from Accountable, and I'm like, who is this Accountable? And that's when I started to look into how Shitlibby and Narrative Managing, and they're just part of the censorship industrial complex. All right. That took a long time, and I'm sorry about that. Um, that's five stories. Whatever. I got the room.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, check out that Taibi article on the censorship industrial complex. That encyclopedia is really important. Um, And we'll we'll get to some of the other ones, people in there, over the coming weeks. And really, I'm thinking about uh, if they don't make like some kind of a video or some kind of a series investigating these companies, maybe we will.
1: I think I liked it better being blind when I couldn't read between the lines. And when I couldn't see the cracks in the structure that lay bare before me the whole time. I think I liked it better back when I suspended disbelief and swallowed pride. I thought I knew the difference in the red from the blue, but they both bleed us so dry. They both bleed us so dry.
0: My favorite songs don't hit the same way. I get to the end of a four minute track and I'm only looking back thinking, what did they actually say? So I try to.